Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Yapuma. Welcome in, brother man. How you doing? How do I look, Jay? <laughs> uh, I'm doing, doing good, Jay. Hodge, How you doing, man? You're doing the Hodge Twins homage very well. Very yes. well. You know, we ha- I have to. I mean, this is this is like one of our bonding things in the office when we first met each other. It was, it was uh, you know... Our thoughts on J.J. Watt's contract, uh, and then I kind of torpedoed that by busting your balls about Michigan-Ohio State, but I think I won it back by the Hodge Twins, you know, pre-politicization you know, of those two students when it was just, you know, go out and get swole and, you know, get dating tips on how to bang big booty Latinas or whatever they were coming <laughs> on there. They would give the worst dating advice of all time. Like well, the, the fucked up thing is it probably worked for somebody. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess there's a there's a there's something to be said to be bold in their approach, but the way those guys give advice, like if you're a young person out there and you're looking for dating advice and you come across their videos, run, run the other way. Like, do not watch that video. Do exactly opposite of what they say, and you will be set. Trust yep. me, you'll be set. <laughs> yep. They take a very um a very bold approach to dating. Very bold. Uh, yeah, bold. You know? You know, borderline. Am Sexual I gonna get arrested? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't do any of that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, podcast one forty four. Man, we uh, we haven't uh, been on here for a couple of weeks now. You know, I'm getting the itch to talk about some football. You yes. had a little vacation down to Myrtle Beach to see the family. Was that correct? I did. the va- mm-hmm. The vacation was great, but like nothing will top my plane ride down to South Carolina oh, yeah? on Spirit because. As background, like I live in Connecticut and the only direct flight that goes to Myrtle Beach is, you know, is uh, Spirit Airways out of uh, out of Bradley. So I went there instead of going to Kennedy and having all the layovers and whatnot. So I have like the exit aisle. Just remember this. I'm sitting in the exit row. All right. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. I have like my Dolphins hoodie on and I'm wearing like a Myrtle Beach Pelicans. It's a single A team for the, the Chicago Cubs. I'm going to sit there, literally, Jay, minding my own business. And this lady makes, like, eye contact. And it's like, dolphins? I was like, yeah. She's like, Patriots, bitch. Suck a dick, bitch. If this plane goes down, you're the last one I'm saving. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, okay, ma'am. Like, I'm, I'm not even, like, ready for for this i just I took it in stride and i was like i'm sitting in the exit row like your yeah. life is in my hands so i don't know <laughs> if she's watching this and if she is like yeah. you um but yeah. <laughs> straight out of uh straight out of like south boston or uh or waterbury connecticut like if those two communities have like a love child this is what this lady would be so how old was this lady uh she had to have and I want to say like, well, hmm. So, <laughs> so South well, Boston, Southie years, right? Southie, <laughs> so Southie years. So equate for all the, like the smoking and drugs and the, yeah. and the alcohol. So like, probably 45-ish, but like in reality, like, you know, maybe my age. So, mm. but you know, you got to mm. factor in like the boozing and, yeah. you know, the Virginia Slims and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, do you ever think that maybe it's like her version of flirting with you? You ever think about it that way? No. I mean, no. no, this isn't like <laughs> kindergarten on a playground where like I'm pushing you down the slide as my way yeah. of having game or yeah, you know, yeah. pulling your hair. But no, 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 no. This this lady 
Mm-mm. She was in well, the th- bubble, t- trying yeah. to talk shit, and like, yeah. nah, I'm on vacation. Yeah. You can leave me alone. Well, does she understand that uh, like the Dolphins are like four and one against the Patriots in the last like five games or something ridiculous like that, right? See, because I wanted to see my family and didn't want to end up on like fight night air, I, I didn't go down <laughs> the road of, you know, hey, yeah. Tua with all of his concussions still had a better completion percentage yeah. and passer rating than your guy. But hey, mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you have to go through that, sir. As a fellow right. uh, Patriots fan, I apologize for my kind. You know how I feel about the Boston babies. You know, they can't yeah. handle the losing, so they take it out in unhealthy manners is basically it's what's okay. happening. All right. I was going on vacation. It was fine. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some football. And th- this podcast today, it's basically a three-point plan for the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets off-seasons. Uh, what, those, what those teams got to do to get back into contention or even the playoffs. So uh, before we hit on that, though, I want to talk about some news that broke yesterday. A little bit of news that was surprising to both of us. Um, we kind of talked about this a couple weeks back about Leslie Frazier and the fact that his defenses for the for the Buffalo Bills haven't been that great. Actually, one of my points in the three-point plan was to somehow fix that defense. So this might be part of that fixing. Now, now in reality, like, you know, we all see through the BS here. Um, I think both me and you can agree that, yes, he's stepping away. He decided to step away. But part of me feels with how badly that defense showed out in the last two big moments in the playoffs against the Chiefs two years ago where they basically were paper mache for 13 seconds. And then this past year against the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals where Joe Burrow did whatever he wanted the whole game. I think those two performances really kind of help push him out the door, right? Right? Like it's all beautiful the way they painted it. It's deciding to step away. But I think deep down there, there's a serious issue with that defense. The owner saw it. I'm sure Sean McDermott saw it. And this is their way of somehow trying to correct that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, Jay, I think it goes back farther than just, you know, the 13 seconds and then against the the Bengals in that playoff game at home in the snow. Uh, I mean, this can go back to the Jets game. I mean, you know, Zach Wilson in one of his like quasi handful of, you know, less than a handful of good performances this season was against the Buffalo Bills. Like that defense was not great at all. And I don't know if they just expected to roll the balls out. And, you mm-hmm. know, just just show up and win, which has been a common theme that, you know, we've been saying on this podcast for the last year and a half is there are games where they just expect to roll the balls out and they're just going to play the 60 minutes. And they're going to win and, and they're just going to go on cruise control and go home. And that's when they get their teeth kicked in, a la Jacksonville last year, opening day, the Jets this year, uh, you know, the Bengals game, which. You know, I understand like the Damar Hamlin situation did not help anything in that locker room. But at the end of the day, like this defense was sure by like statistical measures, like it was the top 10. But I think we can all agree to the eye test that defense left a lot to be desired. Uh, You know, Tredavis White did come back a little bit later in the season. But we've basically said for the last month that we would not be surprised per se if Leslie Frazier left uh he's done it under the guise of you know he's taking a year off and he wants to come back to coaching he thinks that being a defensive coordinator has hindered him and getting a head coaching gig because he wants another bite at the apple um which is probably probably the case uh i can definitely buy yeah. that um but at the end of the day like i think they just needed a new voice in the defensive side of the football in that locker room now they haven't announced who's going to replace him so that's still kind of up in the air who know i don't know if they're going to promote from within or if they're going to look to the outside 
Um, I kind of feel like they might promote from within, uh, mm -hmm. but that's just a gut instinct at this point. But this defense does need a lot of work. And, you know, I know we're going to hit on that in the three points, so I'm not going to seal your thunder. But it, it seemed this was inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've got to fix that. I mean, they've they got to do whatever they can to complete that team. And, and this is probably a good time to roll into a three-point plan for the offseason. You know, fixing the defense, that's one of my points, and we'll talk about that real quick. It, you know, it's it's not just good enough to roll the, the balls out there and have Josh Allen put the Superman cape on every single game, right? Like, You've got to at some point, at some point, provide some resistance on defense. Now they brought in Von Miller, and he got hurt, and that was a big part of the reason why I believe they had such a hard time getting to Joe Burrow in that playoff game. But then again, injuries are going to happen on a year in a year out basis, right? So like you've you've got to somehow overcome that. Now moving forward, I, like you said, I don't know who's going to who, who they're going to pick to replace uh, Leslie Frazier, but whoever it is, uh, that person has to step up big time. Now my other two points. You've got to draft a guard in the first round, in my opinion. Like, you have to go offensive line. And you'll see a lot of this offensive line help, you know, matriculating through our, uh, our uh, what you call it, um, analysis today, just because a lot of these teams do need some uh, mm -hmm. some uh, offensive line help. So, you know, it's it's a little too early to start doing mock drafts and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not going to go deep into, like, who they should be drafting. I do have one name in mind that I want to throw out there, and it's by the name of Osiris Torrance. Um, he's a guard out of Florida. And he would do the trick. Um, you know, he would be the guy that would really help out, not just in the pass protection, but also in the run protection as well. And my last point to kind of somehow, you know, uh, my three-point plan, the last point would be to somehow balance out the offense, right? It's either drafting a running back or retooling the offensive brain trust, whether it's having bringing in somebody to help out, Ken Dorsey, whatever you can do to somehow lighten the load of Josh Allen, that's key in all this. Oh, for sure. And uh you know, I'm glad you said the offensive line because I think they're going to have to do that in the draft because if you know, they're the Bills are going to have to figure out, you know, this cap situation because right now the number is escaping me, but I, I believe they are over the cap by a pretty decent amount of money. Uh, and we said a couple episodes ago that, you know, if you cut, you know, Mitch Morris, the center, which sucks, but, you know, he's kind of on the back nine of his career and he's dealt with some concussion issues. Uh, you could save some money off the cap. Roger Saffold, uh, great offensive lineman on the uh, on the left hand side, you know, had a great run in uh, in Tennessee and then Los Angeles before that. But that's going to be potentially another cap casualty as well too. You can get young, cheaper, you know, help in the draft. Then by all means, you're definitely going to need that because there there have been times where the offensive line has struggled per se. Uh, in pass protection and then in in the in you know the running game as well too um to kind of piggyback off your you know the the offensive balance i said it three episodes ago you need a swing for the fences at this point because the championship window for this team is rapidly closing mm -hmm. and i say mm -hmm. you go out and you get i think they might have peaked already i think they might have peaked already mm -hmm. Uh, but i mean if you want the death rattle the last grasp uh, last gasp i should say uh, that I think you need to swing for the fences and, and you need to get Saquon Barkley. Now, whether or not that's, you know, a long-term deal or you do two years and it's basically fully guaranteed for a running back. I mean, at this point, like, I think it's a damn the torpedoes approach for that because they drafted James Cook in the second round and they barely used him at all. Uh, Devin Singletary has always been the redheaded stepchild in that offense. 
And, you know, sometimes he'll get the bulk of the work and sometimes he'll find his way in the doghouse if he fumbles the football. And Naheem Hines was great on punt returns, but, I mean, he didn't really do anything else once he got there from Indianapolis. And prior to that, Zach Moss had a great season, then broke his ankle and two years ago, and then he was never to be seen again. So they have to figure out the running back situation. I think you could get Saquon Barkley, swing for the fences, and, and you know, you, you'll balance out the offense that way too. And on the defensive side of the football, I mean, it's really going to come down to are they going to give Jordan Poyer what he wants for money because, you know, he's been the heart and soul of that defense. Him, Tredavious White, and, and Matt Milano, uh, he's a free agent this year, and he's made it abundantly clear that he wants to get paid. He also wants to go to a state that doesn't have an income tax. Yeah, and we're going to get to we're going to get to one of those states in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you want to, you know, kind of keep this defense intact, then you're going to have to figure out if you're going to bring Jordan Poyer back or if you're going to go in the draft and get somebody. Yeah. So, what the Bills got to do moving forward? And I am under the guys that they've already peaked. I think they're on the downward trajectory next year. And I mean, we've had this conversation before that, you know, if this team gets off to a rocky start, it could all un- implode and it could all basically come, come apart at the seams. Now, what has to happen going forward? The Buffalo Bills have to radically change how they construct their teams. Because now the cap hit for Josh Allen goes from $16 million to $39 million. That's massive because now that means you've got to start hitting on draft picks at an alarming clip. Like basically every single draft pick you have, you've got to hit on it because now that money that is being tied up in Josh Allen's contract, you can't go out there and buy free agents. You can't go out there and get a Von Miller anymore. Like you've got to basically find talent from within and in the draft and basically develop that talent. Now, have they done a good job at that so far? Uh, spotty, right? I mean, they're not they're not like the the 49ers or nothing like that, but they're not the worst as well. They're not the worst out there as well. They're somewhere in the middle. So I think that's going to be key in their in their approach to team building in the next, I would say, two or three years. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Let's talk about the team near and dear to your heart, team that you have on your hat. And I'm going to let you take the lead just because it is your team, bro. The three-point plan for the Miami Dolphins offseason. What you got, brother? Fantastic. So, like you said, (laughs) off the top, the recurring theme is going to be the offensive line. And Mm -hmm. offensive line is number one. So there's like 1A, 1B, and then there's three. Uh, So it's the offensive line as 1A because – uh, the last couple of drafts, they have not hit on this at all. The Austin Jackson being picked 13th overall a couple of years ago is the, the draft pick that I will never forget next to Laramie Tunsil <laughs> when he came out because the, the, the analysis on NFL Network, I will never forget this, is Daniel Jeremiah was like, oh, yeah, Austin Jackson out of offensive tackle out of USC. Uh, yeah, definitely have like a first-round grade you know, ish on him. He's definitely a developmental project. And at that point I turned the TV off Jay, because in my opinion, you shouldn't be taking a (laughs) developmental project in the the first round, especially when you, the year before you tank to get all these draft picks and have a higher, higher draft uh, draft picks in the first round. And it didn't pan out. So they're going to have to figure something out, whether or not that's in free agency or, or in the draft. Um, I mean, I, I feel like they might go in the free agent pool. Uh, I'm not expecting Orlando Brown, which is yeah. one of the top free agents on the offensive line, <coughs> to be available. I think. How Kansas about Mike McGlinchey? 
I could buy that. I could live with it. I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. it, anything coming from is, that offense, you know, anything is yeah. better than than what they have out there right now. And you know, let me give you my point one as well, just because we're talking about tackles and offensive linemen. Um, I also number one number one point for the for the Dolphins is to draft a tackle with pick fifty two. Like you've got to be able to protect Tua at all costs. Like you can't get him banged up out there, um, especially with the amount of you know concussions he has at the moment. Uh, a person that looks good for you guys, a tackle out of Syracuse. His name is Matthew uh, Bergeron. Uh, he could be a good fit. Um, could be a future left tackle. I mean, good solid tackle can play anywhere in the NFL. Truthfully, in my opinion, um, just some stats for you guys: twelve pressures on three hundred ninety-two. Uh, pass blocking snaps for an 80.9 pass blocking grade. So he comes fairly, fairly well, you know, Perfect. statistically. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Because I was just going to say, like, you know, Tua can take all the judo classes that he wants. That's <laughs> not going to matter when you have Von Miller screaming at you off the off your blind side or whatever. So, uh, no, they definitely need to address the offensive line. 1B is the defensive secondary because – you know, Xavier Howard <coughs> geez, is getting up there in age. And Byron Jones sounds like he's not going to come back. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago, he was on Twitter, kind of quote, quote tweeting a video of him uh, in the combine <clears throat> a couple of years ago. And uh, he basically sounded like he can't even jump. He can't move, uh, <laughs> you know, telling him, telling people. And yeah. that's like, a, that's not even paraphrasing. That's pretty much yeah. a direct quote. I can't jump. I can't move. I can't do any lateral Dude. stuff. I, I lost it when you were talking in the group chat about how you can't jump, you can't like you know run, and then what was the gif you sent? It was like this is all a lie or something. No, or... it was uh, it was from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yep. It was the Black Knight. Yep. Tis just a scratch, yep. and he's like exactly, one yeah. arm, <laughs> one leg. He's like hopping. Around. I mean, he's making it sound like he can barely get out of bed in the morning. Like I'm right. gonna get it. it's and a tough like... game. Like. And then he tried to walk it back, but it's, you know, he wasn't available. He was coming off of an Achilles injury the year prior. Uh, you know, that's a free agent miss uh, on the, on Chris Greer's, you know, resume at this point is they gave him a boatload of money coming out of Dallas. And I mean, you, you probably got a handful of games out of him. And just the rest of that secondary, you know, Iga Himabin, I'm probably butchering his last name, but I mean, let's be honest, he hasn't been on the field enough to really get the pronunciation right. Uh, so they definitely, he, since day one, like, the, you know, Brian Flores drafted him and he was barely on the field. Like, I don't, I don't understand why he, why they drafted him if he's just going to be in the doghouse all the time. And then he was, you know, kind of in the doghouse with Mike McDaniel from, from time to time. I mean, they were the walking wounded in that secondary, and somehow he still did not find a way to get on the field. And when he did, he you know had a tendency of getting burned every now and then. Um, so, <laughs> so, so my second point is also the same as yours. Like you've got to have Vic Fangio somehow shore up that defense, especially the back end of that defense, that cornerback safety spot. Like I think there's a good chance you guys are going to overhaul that whole secondary in the draft and free agency. And with Vic Fangio being out there, his ability to scheme up, give uh, provide different looks. I mean, confuse quarterbacks. You know, him with some new talent could do wonders for you guys. So that's also my second. We're kind of like I I hear with the I know uh, right. Plan, you know. And then the last one for me, it's you know, it's on the offensive side of the football. It's uh the tight end position because nice. this uh, is where Mike we differ. Is- Mike Mike Gusecki is going to walk in free agency. Uh, I don't think they're going to tag him again. And I mean, let's be honest in the Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel tree of, you know, the offensive scheme. 
you need to have a tight end that's willing to block. And Gasecki is not one of those tight ends that's going to block. To me, he's kind of a low rent, poor man's, you know, uh, Jimmy Graham uh, type of deal where you can line him up outside, you can line him up inside, but like he's really not going to be the best blocker. Uh, I think you need you need to find someone with the skill set, which I understand is easier said than done, of a George Kittle that is willing to do the dirty work and is also able to run and be nimble on his feet. Uh, I think that's something you're going to need to address because everything else, like in the wide receiver position, to me is fine. Uh, you know, the running back situation, you're going to have to address that because the two guys that you have are going to walk in free agency and uh, Raheem Mostert, and I believe Jeff Wilson Jr. is a, uh, eligible for free agency. I don't think they're going to spend to keep those guys, um, but I definitely, definitely address the tight end position so the offense yep. functions a little bit more smoothly. <clears throat> so my last point is going to be to find a viable backup for the inevitable tour concussion that's going to happen. Oh, you don't want Teddy Two Gloves? I love Teddy no, Two Gloves. No, 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 no Mr. No, Glass no. Jr. No, no, no. Teddy Two Gloves, uh, Skylar Thompson, those guys, it, it, they need it, all right? Like, you've got to go the route of the 49ers. You've got to take a a Brock Purdy-esque quarterback in the 67th round that can be that can be serviceable, that can jump in, win some games for you guys, hold the fort down. Because let's be real, Tua, I know he's taking judo classes to fall properly and not get concussed. He's still going to end up getting hurt next year. That's just the, the knock on him. You've got to equate that. you got to basically, you know, um, factor that in. So a guy to watch, teams that are going to be lining up left and right, is Stetson Bennett, Georgia mm-hmm. quarterback, in the sixth or seventh round. Like, he is somebody that I have both for the Dolphins and a little preview for next segment against the Patriots as well. Uh, teams need to start looking at this guy just because there's this knock on him that he's on a loaded team and, you know, that's why he won. But in reality, the guy does make some big ballsy plays. Like, there's times this year where, like, put it this way, if he was a couple inches taller and had 10 more pounds of muscle on, we'd, we'd be talking about him like he was Joe Burrow or Andrew Luck. Sincerely, like, I, like I, I believe that wholeheartedly he'd be the next Trevor Lawrence if he had some weight to him Shay. and some height to him. There were people, not to turn this into like a college football podcast for a Go minute, for but like there were people comparing his comeback in the in the playoff game uh, to to something Tom Brady would do. Like they mm-hmm. literally were comparing that mm-hmm. mental aspect of his game to Tom Brady. And whenever I hear that, like I just roll my eyes because it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh man, it's like it's Mahomesian like or or whatever. But like when you look at that game and. I mean, at how bad like Georgia was in that mm-hmm. first half, and yeah. and Stetson Bennett was—I mean, he was probably at the top of that list of being terrible. Yep. I mean, yeah. he threw that team on his back in the fourth quarter and and willed them back into that game. Uh, so I, I, that was the one time I could buy the comp. Well, listen, like I think the Miami Dolphins need that backup in Stetson Bennett because, like I said, Tua is going to get hurt, and I like everything about Stetson Bennett just because. If you ever listen to a story, if you see the trials and tribulations he has had to go through to get to where he's at, it's it's a beautiful story. Like he was he was basically buried on a depth chart. He didn't have a scholarship. He basically walked on. I mean, he did he did so much over his time to basically get that solidified quarterback starting position. And I think guys that go through that, they have like this medal, they have this resolve, they like go through some shit. Like the reason why I'm so down on Mac Jones is because the guy's been handed everything in his whole life. And the second he has some adversity, it, it all goes downhill. With Stetson Bennett, it's the complete opposite. Like the, the more like pressure, the more like adversity he's got to go through, it seems like the, the better he comes through it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
Yep, for sure. Speaking of uh, my New England Patriots, uh, you ready for a little bit of a rant? <laughs> oh, I've been looking forward to this for 14 days, Jay. Let's oh, go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Three point plan to fix the New England Patriots. Don't reality, tell me, hey, coach. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> Speaking of head coach, check out this picture. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. Put it in the Louvre. Every yes. time I see this picture, I still can't believe this happens, you know? Is that still um, your phone background? Yeah, right now it's my phone background. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, uh, three point plan for the Patriots. Uh, this is a great. This is a great picture of Bill Polish. <laughs> I need this one would get a good laugh. I mean, like, what is he thinking? Like, he's basically a hobo going out there. Um, all right, let's be serious, Puma. We're professional yeah. podcasters, okay? Let's yes. be serious. So three point plan for the Patriots. You've got to acquire a top-flight wide receiver. You've got to sign Mike McGlinchey, who's the uh, free agent from the San Francisco 49ers. And you've got to give full-on control to Bill O'Brien and basically Bill Belichick shouldn't even go to the, the offensive meeting room, right? Let's start with the, the linemen. Obviously, Mac Jones is not Joe Burrow. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He can't get out of the pocket and create. So it is imperative with his lack of physical skill sets to get out and extend the play. You've got to protect him at all costs. One of our biggest issues this year was offensive line um, play. Now, I don't know if the offensive line itself was bad in talent or if it was Matt Patricia and the fact that he was coaching the offensive line and that's why they weren't getting coached properly. So we'll see this year if the offensive line takes a step up with the same, same kind of guys um, if it was coaching or if it was more talent. Second one is you got to acquire a top flight wide receiver for Mac Jones. I mean, that that's key. And not just a guy like a – not just go out there and get like a Brandon Ayuk or a fast like stretch the field kind of guy. I always believe it's important to find complementary quarterbacks and wide receivers. Like you can't pair up Mac Jones with uh, Randy Moss. He doesn't have enough arm to get down the, down the field. You feel me? He needs a guy like Hunter Renfro. Like I'm not, I'm not even joking here, Puma. Like you've got to find a Julian Edelman, Hunter Renfro type of player – that you that you can get the ball too quickly and Mac Jones can obviously, you know, get the ball out quickly. So, you know, guys like T. Higgins are a big, Mike Evans are a big, get the ball out there and they'll they'll make uh, make a play for the ball. And then finally, Bill O'Brien. I mean, there's so much pressure on Bill O'Brien. Like, do you understand the amount of like like if it doesn't work out next year, like it's basically all gonna be Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones. Like there's so much pressure on these guys, man. They've got to correct it. And I think they will. Um, I don't think it's gonna be what people want it to be. People are expecting this to be like the Old Town Patriots all over again. You know how the, the Boston babies think about their Patriots up there in New England. So, um, yeah, Bill O'Brien, it pressure's on you, brother. Like, you got to come through, man. <laughs> I just love that image of Matt Jones trying to throw the football to Randy Moss down the field because I just see, like, of all those memes of, like, he yeah. goes back to pass and he throws the ball and it's, like, two feet and he rolls. Yeah. Love it. But, love but I mean, it. it's something that a lot of times people and GMs don't think about. Like, you've got to have complimentary wide receivers to your quarterback. Like, it's it's fine to pair up Randy Moss with, with Josh Allen. You can throw the ball a country mile. But with, with Mac Jones, you've got to get guys that get open immediately. Like, you don't have – 10 yards to play with to get open. You got to get it open within three to four yards. You know, Hunter Renfro is great at that. That's the kind of guy you want to go after. Or if you don't go the other route, you get a big body guy. You get a you get a Mike Evans or a, or a T. Higgins where, you know, maybe they're not open, but just store it up somewhere in that vicinity and they'll go up and get it. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Now, I mean, for is there anyone in the draft that, like, because we know, we know Bill's cheap. We know Bill's mm-hmm. cheap, and I don't think Rob Bob Kraft is going to crack open that wallet again after the two years ago he spent like a drunken sailor and it completely blew up in their face. 
Is there anyone in the draft that they could possibly go after? Jackson Smith and Jigba. My Ohio oh, State from the receiver. From the Ohio State University. Now, last year, um, he he was hurt for most of the year, so he only had like five catches. He didn't play much at all last year. So that's my only concern with JSN um, is the fact that his hamstring is somewhat, you know, um, not all there yet, in my opinion. But with enough rehab and enough, you know, an NFL training program, he'll be fine. Now, the reason why I like JSN so much is, obviously, last year he didn't do well. But the year before that, in 2001, we had Garrett Wilson on our staff. We had... Chris Olave on our roster, and we had JSN. And out of all three of those wide receivers at Ohio State, JSN led them in, in catches. Like, he outproduced Garrett Wilson and Olave when they were there at Ohio State. So that, that will give you a good indication of just what kind of pedigree he has. Nice. Uh, Jay, I only have, like, one bullet point that's kind of different, and it's only because, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about it offline. I kind of just want to pick your brain on sure. it. Um we, we were talking about, you know, the, the quarterback position for the last couple of weeks uh, for the for the New England Patriots. Now, check out my quarterback getting uh, basically love pushed it. down into China. <laughs> love it. Uh, put it again. Put it in the loop. And and look, look at this picture right here. What a love page. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but real quick for like the quarterback position, I think that's that's a legitimate one as well, too. Like, would you rather have Stetson Bennett or did you do you still like your guy and Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee, regardless of the knee injury? Let's go, Hendon Hooker. Yes, yes. So it all depends on what kind of capital you want to give up. Now, I'm of the mindset that Hendon Hooker is a guy that before his torn ACL, he was on the Heisman trajectory. Like he was basically on that path of winning the national championship, taking on Georgia again. Like I thought, I thought he was gonna be able to beat them. And Hendon Hooker is getting getting lost in the shuffle here because of his injury, but he is so special, man. Like his explosiveness, his arm talent, the fact that he can run, all of that, I would I would love to take him. The problem is other teams are also kind of thinking about that game plan as well, taking Hendon Hooker somewhere in the third or fourth round, stash him for a year, and then playing him in 2024. Right, yeah, 2024. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if the Patriots want to get aggressive and they take him in the third round, I don't see Bill Belichick doing that, taking a, a quarterback like that and then having him sitting for a year. So I think in reality, you know, it's going to be more Stetson Bennett, like somebody that's in the sixth or seventh round that we can find that we can develop and kind of, you know, have there in the background. Now, I'm still a fan of Billy Zappi. Billy Zappi's a, a good quarterback, in my opinion. Um, he's obviously not starting quarterback material, so you're going to have to keep him on the on the roster. But I would love nothing more for Bill Ball to take a flyer on a hand and hooker and, and see where it goes, man. I'm here for the chaos because I would love to see like Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts light in uh, in New England with you know the potential quarterback controversy of let's say let's say they take a Hendon Hooker or you know they they, they take a Stetson Bennett. But for argument's sake, let's just assume it's going to be Stetson Bennett in the sixth round. And you know Mac Jones has a bad game, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, that ankle injury really flared up again, and they put Stetson Bennett in there. And to the eye test, and you know, it looks good. And he's also pushing the football down the field, and it doesn't look like it's an adventure. I'm here for the chaos. So well, let's go. Well, Mac Jones is going to have a short leash this year. Let's get that correct 100 because there's so much like negative animosity, in my opinion, built up between, you know, Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Like, I, I think to this day, I'll read a report of this. Bill Belichick still didn't like how Mac Jones handled himself showing up Matt Patricia in turn, which is showing up Bill Belichick. Like, let's be real about that. I'm kind of like, you know, being this point to a drum here. Like that offense last year was Bill Belichick's offense. 
Like, I get it. Matt Patricia is the face of it because he's the guy that verbalizes his commands, Bill Belichick's commands to the quarterback. But in reality, that is a Bill Belichick offense. And when Mac Jones is showing up, quote-unquote, Matt Patricia on national TV, he's actually showing up Bill Belichick. And, and Bill Belichick don't forget that shit. We know he's petty. We know he, in the back of his mind, he's like, you know what? All right, kid, if you're going to be that much of a douche, you better start performing next year because if he doesn't, bro, leash, pull, mm-hmm. pull, pull his ass. Love it. I'm here for the chaos, so let's go. Oh, That'd be man. so good. I can't wait for it. Like, this is where we've been uh, reduced to as Patriots fans. Like, we can't actually get to the point of, like, winning anymore. So we just got to, like, root for, like, storylines, like the chaos. That's what we can root for now. Yes. Welcome to life <laughs> as a normal franchise, Jay. <laughs> oh, it sucks so bad. Speaking of chaos, the New York <laughs> football Jets, as bad as we can be, for some reason, I can always count the Jets are going to be the Jets and we're going to beat them. <laughs> like last year, I couldn't believe you beat them twice. So, but three point plan for the Jets, Puma, who you got? What you got going on there? <laughs> I mean, the blatantly obvious, the quarterback. Now, whether or not it's mm-hmm. a dude that came out of a, a cave slash, you know, Lincoln log house with like no light and a bathroom, but he decided to wear a diaper and, you know, tripping on ayahuasca last year, or they go with Mr. Squeaky Clean and, and Mr. Team Guy and Derek Carr. They have to address the quarterback position because, you know, Zach Wilson clearly is not it. Uh, Mike White is, you know, Mr. Glass per se. Like he hasn't been able to get, you know, this job by, you know, you know, fully in grass because he's been hurt. Whether or not it's in that Colts game or whether or not he's taking brutal body shots in Buffalo, which I mean, I commend him for that performance because, I mean, he was taking body blow after body blow. And I thought he, mm-hmm. you know, he pulled a Chris Sims and had a ruptured spleen. Uh, and he still gutted it out in that game. Uh, but he his frame is just not built for the NFL. Um, they they have to figure out the, uh, the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, real quick, uh, in case you want to jump in, I'm going to go with the offensive line as well, too, because who knows what's going to happen with Makai Becton. Like, yep. on paper – that was a, a great draft pick coming out of Louisville, a, a big mammoth of a man that has, you know, light feet and can move people at, at ease. But the problem is, is he's been nagged by shoulder injuries and he was also kind of an unhappy camper last year. He wanted to get a contract extension, uh, but the team was kind of waiting it out. And in my opinion, the team was rightfully so in the decision to wait it out because I think he got hurt like within the first three weeks of the season, wasn't to be found again. Uh, so they're definitely going to have to address the offensive line position for sure. I feel like they're – let me pref- rephrase. If they don't mortgage their draft picks for Aaron Rodgers, I think they're going to go in the draft for an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm there with you as well. The first two points I have is basically quarterback related. So the first one is you got to sign a legit quarterback, right, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, J- Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, et cetera. Now, I've been hearing some stupid things. I've been hearing that the Jets are sniffing around Geno Smith uh, if they can't land uh, Rodgers or Derek Carr. I've heard they're getting so desperate that they would even consider luring Daniel Jones away from the New York Giants. Like, I I will send you this report later on today, but it's seeming... Who's breaking that? uh, I forgot who it was. I saw this the other day, and I kind of like... I was like, this is insane. But but it's one of those things where, like, the Jets are hell-bent on getting a quarterback that is not from the draft, right? So they're obviously going to go after Aaron Rodgers first, and obviously they're going to go after Derek Carr. Um, if that doesn't happen, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think they got to be smart here and not be the Jets. Like, you can't start going down the road of trying to bring back, like, 
um, like Geno Smith. You know what I can see it can happen? I can totally see this happening. I can see somehow somebody like a Baker Mayfield ends up with the Jets. I can see the Jets not getting who they wanted. And next thing you know, they're like, all right, let's just give $10 million to Baker Mayfield. Let's get him in here and let's throw him out there and see what happens. And if that's the case, bro, like that's going to be a train wreck. Absolute train wreck. Well, if that's the case, you might as well stick with Mike White. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Put, a, put two flak jackets on Mike and go under mm-hmm. center because, but like, if you're going to go, if you're going to go the Baker Mayfield route and I understand like, you know, for a cup of coffee, he looked good with the Rams uh, on that short Monday, you know, Thursday night football game against the Raiders. And then in the playoff, not the playoff game, cause they weren't in the playoffs, but like that overtime game against the Seattle Seahawks until he chucked up that friggin' interception at the end of the game in overtime. Um, but like, yeah, he looked good. Like for a cup of coffee, so has Mike White, and Mike mm-hmm. White will be cheaper. Yep. Mm. Well, well, I just, I'm just starting to put two and two together here. That it seems that Derek Carr still wants to go out there and look at what other teams have to offer. Right? He's looking for 35 million dollars a year. I'm looking at the fact that maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to go to the Jets. Like, I feel like that's kind of like died down a little bit. It's still there, but I thought we'd hear more about it by now. So I just I just feel somehow the Jets are gonna jets this up. They're they're gonna totally cock this up, right? And they're gonna end up with a Derek. I'm sorry, uh, a a Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, like some sort of like weird um, starting quarterback uh, situation. Now the second point of my three point plan, Puma, is I think they should draft Tanner McKee at pick number thirteen. Okay, I know it. I know it goes against you know what we talked about. You know they have they have a loaded now roster. Um, they basically can't wait two or three years to develop. I'm saying take a take a quarterback high if you got one of those guys coming in like a Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers because you do have to eventually develop somebody. Like Zach Wilson isn't the guy. We all know that. Tanner McKee, quarterback from Stanford, quarterback five on the on most big 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 boards. He's well equipped to run the NFL offenses. He's very smart, bright kid, big body. He's a typical like Andrew Luck, like uh, who's that kid with the long neck, Davis Mills type of Stanford mm-hmm. quarterback. You feel me? Like that's that's the type of quarterback he is. So, it, my first two points were all around the were all around the uh, the quarterbacks. Got it, got it. And then for the third, I mean, they they already hired an offensive coordinator. So yeah. like, I mean, but I mean, this roster is like on paper is yeah. already stacked. So like, the, I, it's really just like the quarterback position the offensive line but like for argument's sake like let's say Nathaniel Hackett is you know in the words of you know you cocking it up as the offensive coordinator like they they gotta (laughs) they gotta have somebody else like in that building Mm -hmm. that could take over the Mm -hmm. offensive play calling duties because I mean if if that's the case the New York media is gonna eat them alive um Mm -hmm. But I guess, like you know, kind of an honorable mention for for like a, a you know a, a check mark for the three point plan would be maybe the running back position. Like you know, Brees mm-hmm. Hall is coming off that knee injury, gonna take a full year to actually get back to being himself. Like you know, there's Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight; those guys did great filling in. Um, you know, does Woody Johnson want to spend like a drunken sailor and bring in Saquon Barkley for like a playoff push? Like, who knows? Yeah. But. Uh, that's kind of like the the light end of like the three point plan. Yeah, and my last point was I think you've got to resign Quinn Williams. Like he seems to be indicating he might not practice without a new contract. I mean mm-hmm. that those some rumblings coming out. So 
I mean, he's key in that front seven. He's part of basically the dominant defense. So you've got to make sure he's happy. You got to somehow resign him, get him back on the practice field. Or if you want to look at the back end of this uh, this um, Jets defense, that's the one area they're a little weak on is that, you know, joiner whitehead safety combo. It's not working out. Like, it looks like those both those guys are the weak link of that offense. And if I had to guess, uh, Joe Douglas is probably going to try to retool that via either free agency or, or the draft. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. you can buy that. Yes, sir. And uh, that about does it up for our three-point plans. Wow. Time flies when you're having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to get to anything else, or do you want to plug it up and get out of here? Um, you know, I guess, like, you know, the you know the combine news real quick. I mean, the sure, projected first overall pick, that, that kid out of Georgia. Uh, what was what, what was his name? Oh, Jalen Carter. Yeah, Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, he, uh, the news broke this morning when he was supposed to meet with teams that, you know, a couple of months ago, a teammate of his and someone on the, the coaching staff were killed in like a, in a car accident. And today, uh, misdemeanor warrants were issued to him for reckless driving and racing and leaving the scene of an accident. So if you can read the tea leaves, they're alleging that he was, there when that accident that resulted in fatalities took place or and or he might be the cause like if you're if you're i mean if if you're racing right like i mean what what else could it be like i I, you know there has to be some line of that to what happened with the accident so it's definitely something to watch because he was the projected number one defensive lineman and in some people a dark horse to be the first overall pick uh you know for for some people uh so it's definitely something to monitor especially with the combine essentially kicking off this week so mm-hmm. who knows i mean the warrant's out so he's gonna have to yeah. go back and, and address this so who's uh who's the one um uh, player prospect that you're really looking forward to see at the combine like we all know the combine for the most part it's basically for show I mean, you don't really get any valuable information no. out of it besides the 40 yard dash and maybe the measurables I, I think if I had to be real about it, the, the only valuable thing that comes out of the combine is the measurables because you don't have a standard of measuring in college football. You basically do as you please. Like Bryce Young could come in one day listed as 6'2", and then you realize he's like 5'10". <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it is, it is imperative to kind of have those guys go through the height, weight um, standard. Now, did you see that Bryce Young came in at 5'10", I believe? Was that the number that they, they – they, I mean, 5'10", 190 pounds, dude, that's that's tiny. Like, yep. I mean, it's okay. Like, I get it. Kyler Murray is also the same size, but Kyler Murray can run like a 4'4 or 4'3 on a good day. Like, I mean, you, Bryce Singh is not that kind of quarterback. He can't run a 4'5 and get away with a small frame. Like, he has to be able to take those hits. So mm-hmm. that 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 kind of alarmed me a little bit. I was thinking he's like at least like 5'11, like at least 200, you know? Right. No, I definitely saw that. Uh, I mean, really, it's just going to come down to, for me. I just want to see like these quarterback prospects throw the football, whether it's weird ass Will Levis putting mayonnaise in his morning coffee, or you know the prodigal prodigal son out of Alabama and and Bryce Young, or you know who knows. He's actually not throwing. He's so not CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis are throwing. Okay, well, yeah. I'll live with those three because I was just going to say, you know, your boy CJ Stroud. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I want to see him throw. Uh, what's your take on this Anthony Richardson love? It seems like AR is uh, is basically shooting up the the ladder board slash leaderboard, whatever you call it. 
Yeah, I I don't understand it, Jay. And like we were talking about it offline a lot, and you know we've touched on it in the podcast a couple of times too during the year for like the college segment. Like AR fifteen, and I know he got rid of that nickname at the beginning of the season, but it's it's a badass nickname. I don't care. Uh, AR fifteen against Utah looked great, and they were already calling him like the second coming of Cam Newton and and all that, and that hype train died real quick when he faced Kentucky, uh, Mm -hmm. when that was supposed to be the Will Levis, you know, AR fifteen coming out show coming out party, and they both kind of laid an egg in that matchup, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if Richardson was hurt throughout like the season if he got dinged up at some point. You know, between the Utah game and Kentucky, and he was just trying to gut get out an injury that nobody was talking about. But like his performance was at times like kind of god awful during mm-hmm. during down the stretch. Um, so I don't I don't understand where the love's coming from. I don't know if somebody you know, especially if you look at like the draft odds market, like he kind of has like the best odds of the quarterbacks now to go yeah. first overall. I don't know if some scout is, you know, telling these, you know, bookmakers out in Vegas, like some <clears throat> insider info just to move the market a little bit. Obviously it has uh, because his odds have, you know, sharpened up quite a bit over the last two weeks. Uh, but I, I just, I don't see, I don't see the love at, at this point. You're kind of going off of like, you know, the assumption that, Hey, he's super green. We could turn him into like Josh Allen and Cam Newton. Mm-hmm child type of deal which you know if you're going into the draft looking for that it's never going to work like well i mean i've said this to you uh, via text i've never seen a quarterback do so little yet get so much like recognition when it comes to the draft cycle like i i get it like i mean people in the past have shot up leaderboards and draft boards and and i get all that but usually those guys have some sort of merit have some sort of pedigree have done something of value I, I seriously cannot point to anything besides his physical skill set that tells me he's going to be a great first rounder. Like nothing besides his arm and his big body um, shows me that he has the skill set to play in the NFL. Like he's not an accurate passer. He seems to be all over there with his mechanics. Like there were times last year where like he was the sole reason why Florida was losing. I think that people are starting, people are missing that. And I want to like talk about that a little bit. Like, Florida last year was a great football team, loaded talent-wise. Like, I mean, they were going to compete for the SEC title. And there was so much buzz about AR-15 going into the uh, into the, into the season. But it was his bad play in a lot of those games that was a direct, direct result of Florida losing. Like, people need to understand that. So, I mean, I get it. I trust my Duke because I think the upside is so high. Like, it's either going to be a story where he's going to become like Josh Allen or he's going to be a complete bust. And it's gonna flame out quickly. The problem is that's such a that's such a big gamble for a first round pick. Like I feel like first round picks usually were like, you know, CJ Stroud, who's done something of value in the NFL. Like, like obviously Joe Burrow and, and uh, Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence and all these number one overall picks. And this guy is like in that in that territory where he might go number one overall, and he's done absolutely nothing, and he's just being drafted off of his potential. Like I, I think it truly speaks to how weak this quarterback class is this year. Right. And I was just going to say, like, you know, for for the draft aspect of things, like, you know, the Bears came out on Monday and essentially said, like, they are you know, they're going to do their homework on the quarterback class this year, but they are leaning heavily towards trading out of the first overall pick. Yeah. Hey, Jay, with that being said, like, who do you see trading up to get in that first overall pick? 
I mean, I think Houston. So put it this way: so teams that need a quarterback, um, Houston, the Indianapolis Colts, all those teams are going to be there in striking distance, two or three, because they already are up there, right? So they they can kind of wait it out and see um, who who if somebody can fall to them. Like I think it's going to come from somebody down low. Like I'm not I'm not saying down low like 32, 31, but I'm talking like seven, fifteen. Yeah, I can see the Raiders or the Panthers making an aggressive push north. Mm. Everything I'm starting to see is the way this Aaron Rodgers thing is going to fall, and wherever he goes, then like let's say with the Jets, then obviously the Raiders need a quarterback, right? So they're going to start potentially shooting up and trying to talk to the to the to the Chicago Bears to see if they can move on up. I think the Panthers, if they don't land anybody, it looks like they're not going to land anybody. I mean, they got to go out there and get a quarterback as well. So. I, I can see something like that happening um, somewhere in the 15s. I mean, who's even down there that would need a quarterback? I mean, the Patriots don't really need a quarterback. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be – if I had to guess right now, Raiders or Panthers, yeah. Right I have now. the Panthers as the leaders in the clubhouse. I know in our group chat, your brother was trying to hype up your sis for the Raiders to move up and get get Will Levis or get AR-15. Uh, you know, you could look at the – you could read the tea leaves and see that, you know, the, the Panthers brought in – uh, Frank Reich for for two reasons. One, to have a functional offense and to kind of have the adult in the room. And that's that's no shot against Steve Wilkes. He did a hell of a job down the stretch last year on the interim basis. But Frank Reich's going to run that. He's going to run that room. He's going to run the offense. And two, he can develop a quarterback. And I, mm-hmm. I know Carson Wentz is a punchline now. But when Carson Wentz was in Philadelphia, and I know I've said it a million times, like before that knee injury, like Frank Reich – found a way to unlock Carson Wentz and he was on an MVP trajectory. And I think that is why Dave Tepper brought him in to work with a young quarterback. And I would put the mortgage on Carolina trading up to into the, uh, into the top, you know, whether, whether it's the, I don't think it's going to be the second, but I I definitely think they're going to move up for the first overall pick uh, with, with Chicago. It's just whether or not like how much capital, are the Panthers willing to part, you know, part with because they don't have a third round pick again because they've botched that with the Sam Darnold, Will Greer, uh, good God, the uh, Matt Corral experiment mm-hmm. that looked great in preseason for a half. Uh, so they don't have a mid round pick. So I don't know how much how much they're going to mortgage into the future, you know, next year or the year after to get that first overall pick. But I think Dave Tepper is tired of bottom feeding in a very weak NFC South, and he's going to try to make a splash. And let's be honest, Jay, like in that division, could you win with a rookie quarterback? Mm-hmm. I think you could. <laughs> so so you've got the Las Vegas Raiders at seven. They could move on up. Uh, at number eight, you've got the Atlanta Falcons, who maybe potentially because they don't seem to be sold on Desmond Ritter. Um, the Carolina Panthers are nine. The Eagles at 10. Uh, here's an interesting one. Number 11, Tennessee Titans. They mm-hmm. seem to not really understand what's going on at quarterback. So I wouldn't be shocked, especially with the new uh, GM now, if he wanted to make a big splash and move up and get his guy. Uh, the Texans at 12. Um, the Jets at 13, uh, which will probably end up going for Aaron Rodgers to trade for him. The Patriots at 14. Uh, no, the Packers, no. The Commanders at 16. What's the Commanders quarterback situation looking like? Uh, the beat reporters are saying that, you know, the in-house guys like Sam Howell a lot. Um, so I think they're going to roll with him. Uh, it's also Dan Snyder in the Alamo right now, trying to stave off a potential selling of the team. Mm -hmm. Maybe he 
he sticks around and does what Dan Snyder does on draft night and tries to take over the whole operation and, uh, you know, mortgage draft picks to get somebody. Yeah. Uh, quite frankly, though, with how Ruin. bad with how bad his name is right now, which, yeah. I mean, his name was never good, Jay, but, I mean, it is absolutely, you know, Chernobyl level of, you know, just you can't touch this guy. I don't know who's going to want to deal with the with the commanders at this point. So I'm going to assume it's going to be Sam Howell. Okay. And then the last uh, team that I think could look interesting in that um, middle of the round, it's uh, the night uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19. Uh, they all of a sudden need a quarterback as well now. Um, so potentially they could make a splash. Um, after that, I mean, we've got the Chargers, Ravens, Vikings, all these teams that have quarterbacks. So don't worry about those guys. Dude, I would die if like the Ravens just mortgage draft picks and yeah. got a quarterback. And then they're yeah. like, all right, Lamar, like here's the franchise tag. And we're going to have this guy sitting to take mm-hmm. your job next year. Yeah. That'd How do you like me now? Year. But <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, anything else you want to hit on brother, man? No, I think we're good, man. All right, let's wrap this puppy up. All right, so this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at under Pro Football Radio Podcast, YouTube on Pro Football Radio Podcast as well, too. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, little bell, so you'll be notified when we have a live broadcast like this for your viewing pleasure. Uh, social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, the Twitter machine at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, the captain of the ship on the ones and the twos, is at Jay Chima. The DMs are open on all social media platforms. Be sure to hit us up. Any questions, any draft talk. I mean, we're going to be entering the dog days of, you know, the combine and mindless measurements and then also some free agency talk and Hey, what's legal? What's the legal tampering period? What the hell does that mean? We could totally walk you through all that nonsense as well, too. Uh, but be sure to hit us up. Be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple and Google Podcasts so it helps with the algorithm of things. And be sure to hit the like button on this video so the little gerbils running around in the uh, gerbil ball in Palo Alto, California will help promote us for more visibility. Wow. That was a fun 54-hour episode of uh, Football Talk, man. I love it. It's great. <laughs> fun time. We'll yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Fire Condios.